I used to think, oh, it's God, it's terrible. I've made this person cry. And then I used to get lots of feedback about it. And I thought, brilliant, make them cry. Let's get them on there and, and sort of like let them weep through. It occurred to me just the other day that, holy smokes, Thanksgiving is like two weeks away, maybe even less. You know, it's right around the corner is the point. And when you get closer to the end of the year, I don't know about you, but I tend to get a little reflective. And one of the things I tried to achieve this year with this show was to bring a little bit more diversity into who I was having on as guests, the areas that I was covering. Because ultimately, if you listen to the show, you know that the show focuses on the the missions, the values, and the purpose that we inject into our companies, into our career aspirations, into who we are as individuals, and and how we lead. And, you know, this past couple of episodes, I've been talking to more kind of lifestyle coaches, uh, business coaches, and and whatnot, but I don't think... I had one other podcast in the show beginning of the year, um, but I, I listened to podcasts with pretty amount of uh, frequency because I like them. I like the medium. I like the access that it provides. One, the different perspectives. You really gain a lot of, uh, it's different than than traditional media, you know, your television or even your mainstream websites because those views tend to be, they seem to me so filtered, so uh, scripted, so produced. What I like about podcasting is that the views and the perceptions and the perspectives that you gain from them vary dramatically. And that leads me to today's episode with David Ralph. David hosts a show called Join Up Dots, and I'll, I don't, I want to, I'm not going to get into it now. You can listen to the beginning, and David explains the show and what it's all about. He's uh, in the United Kingdom. He's incredibly witty. His show, I find his show really entertaining. So I, I probably only the second other time I've had an actual podcaster on my show. So that was the idea: is to let's continue to inject this level of diversity into this discussion. And the results, you know, I'll be honest, I was a little bit more self-indulgent in this conversation than I usually am because I'm so fascinated by David's journey and his show. So, I, you know, towards the end of it, admittedly, I'm like, well, I don't know if anyone else is going to find this interesting. I certainly did because I podcast and I have uh, and understand the, the nature and the flow of it. So I gained a lot of value from it. I always try to connect the dots, not to use the euphemism that... Uh, David does, but I try to connect the dots for my audience. I didn't do such a great job of that this time, but I still think there's a ton of value packed in here because just listen, because what David does is he continuously explains how what he has done early in his career drove his entrance into the podcast industry and also the success that he's had, and he's very committed. I mean, he puts out probably three, four episodes a week, awesome, diverse audience, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, guest slate. I haven't listened to an episode once uh, that I've thought. I've probably listened to probably maybe 20 of David's episodes since I first came to know him a couple months ago and never disappointed. So there's there's a lot packed into this episode. So I, I just, I don't know why I'm going on. I, I'm almost up to four minutes here, so forgive that. But I really want you to do two things. Stick it out and listen to the entire discussion with David because what you're going to find, let's say you're not a, uh, an entrepreneur or you're not a, a, a small business, if you're a large, say you're a marketing leader in a large organization, listen to what he has to say towards the end about using podcasts internally first because I think that speaks volumes to how we want to and can indeed connect 
with our employees and engage them in a way that's much more conversational and authentic. Because David's podcast, Join Up Dots, is incredibly authentic. So that's the first thing. Listen and pull those nuggets out for your own benefit. But then secondly, once you're done listening to this, go over and listen to David's show. I promise that you'll like it. Matter of fact, if you don't like it, let me know because I'm, I'm going to be curious as to see what you did not like about it. But I think you're going to love it. Okay, I slide three things. Third thing is this. If you like this episode, pass it along, share it out there, and get the word out because I think more people need to hear from David Ralph and his podcast, Join Up Dots. My guest today is the host of a top-ranked podcast, Join Up Dots. If you've not heard of it or maybe you've heard of it but not yet listened, you need to do yourself a favor and add it to your list of things to do today, not tomorrow, today, because our guest interviews people from all walks of the business life, literally from around the globe, and the conversations are funny, they're engaging, they're personal. I think honest is the best word to use about these conversations that he has. I find the show fun, it's light, it's entertaining, and you'll absolutely become addicted to it as I have if you do give the show a chance. So who is the host of Join Up Dots and our guest today? He is none other than David Ralph, a former corporate trainer turned full-time podcaster. He's a husband, father, and grandfather, and according to the man himself, extremely attractive. The show is listened to in over 160 countries, and I'm absolutely thrilled that he's on with us today. David, thank you so much for joining me today on Leading Matters. Uh, it's great to be here, but can I just say to all the listeners, the attractiveness, that was, Joel told me that. He, he actually <laughs> said that when he was on my show, he said, do you realize you are the most attractive podcaster I've ever spoken to? And I said, I'm going to put that in my bio, sir. So he, <laughs> he actually wrote that. You know, that must have been before we were on the air. I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have the webcam on. You, you were just going by the voice. Very good. Very good. All right, uh, David, let's, let me jump into it. And there's so much I want to cover, but I realize and I always try to keep my uh, audience in mind first. And they maybe not have heard of you or the show. So for, for their benefit, what I'd like you to do is just share your journey a little bit from corporate trainer to full-time podcaster and then a little bit about the show towards the end there. And again, just take it anywhere you want to go here because I find it fascinating. I know my audience will, and that's kind of where I want to get started. So just uh, go ahead and share how you've come to be such an awesome host of such a great show. It's a funny old story. Now, my show, I have, I've got to start with my show first of all, because it's called Join Up Dots. And basically, it's based around a speech that Steve Jobs did back in 2005, when he said, you can only see how you got to somewhere when you look back and you connect the dots. And so I called my show Join Up Dots because somebody else had connect the dots. Not doing very well, actually. But still, that's another thing. And I can actually join up my dots back to a nine-year-old Joel. I didn't realize this till recently. But basically, when I was nine, I found a low well, I was up in my mum's loft or attic and I found a load of old tapes with my handwriting on as a small child. And when I played them, it was me. And I'd forgotten that I used to go around to like the bank and the butchers and the, the candlestick maker and all these proper adults in these shops and say, excuse me, can I record an interview with you? And I had like a little tape recorder and it was my little voice coming out, my little nine-year-old voice. And I totally blanked that. Um, and then I went into corporate land and for many years I was just in corporate land and so the second bit that really links up to that little nine-year-old was I was a corporate trainer and I used to be training sort of vast amounts of people but it was only me so there was a lot of people that weren't being trained because I was doing one thing and couldn't do two things so I started taping myself and sending it around so people could listen to it at their desk and so I was kind of creating internal podcasts so when I quit and I looked around and for three days I was a web designer that was going to be my job 
until I realised it bored me stupid. I suddenly realised I had all these skills sort of lined up in front of me, which I didn't think of were of use at the time, but suddenly were perfect to become a podcaster. And that, sir, is how it all joined up and how I ended up launching Join Up Dots. And it's gone from strength to strength. So how long ago was that when you said, hey, I have the skill set and the media options for me today kind of match those skill sets? I mean, was it refresh my memory. How long ago was that? Well, I actually launched a show with three episodes on the 30th of January 2014, which was my 44th birthday. So it's coming up three years now. And it's interesting, actually. I just had a meeting with my accountant. And when you're building a business, I don't know if you think this as well, Joel, you always think you should be further ahead than you are. You always mm-hmm. think you should be you know, doing amazing things. And when we planned it out from the start to the projection of income, I'm halfway it's like a five-year journey. So I'm looking for things to really be where it should be about 2018. So, um, yeah, it's been about two and a half years, and I'm, I'm two and a half years still to go. So uh, that's interesting. I know we talked about five-year kind of plans when I was on, on your show, but did you go into it? Look, and there, here's why I asked the question, right? I always try to, when we talk about on Leading Matters, is listen to the purposeful kind of mission that you're on, what you're trying to accomplish, and that if you don't define it, you know, is that old saying, you know, you don't know where you're headed until you're there sometimes unless you have a destination yeah. in mind, right? So did you, did you start out purposely with a destination, with a five-year goal in mind? I think I was wise enough to know that it wasn't going to take six months. You know, you hear all these people going, oh, I can teach you to make six figures. I don't know why I've got an American accent, but in my head they have. <laughs> and I can teach you to make six figures within three months. And I always thought, that's a load of old rubbish. So I, I knew that to become a podcaster, first of all, you've got to learn the tech techniques first of all secondly you've got to grow your audience thirdly you've got to grow your confidence and then once you get to that point you can then start saying to people that you're a podcaster and it's interesting you've got to do what you want to do before other people allow you to do it if it makes sense and so now when i say to people i'm a podcaster they just kind of accept it so the kind of monetary things have become a lot easier now but yeah i think i I, in my head, it was five years. And if I tra- trace it even further back, I think my whole journey from the start of messing around with websites as a kind of side hustle to the end of that five-year path will be about 10 years. I think it would probably take me there just because you're trying different things, different angles, building websites, trying to find your thing. But as soon as I turned the microphone on, I thought, this is it. And hopefully, fingers crossed, I've got better at it. Well, let me ask you this because I you know, I, I agree. I think you're a natural at it. I, I really do love the show. It's not just me blowing smoke to a guest here, right? Uh, it's, it's, I, I can't even put my finger on it. It's just such a you literally feel when I like when you had me on your show before we got on and say, hey, look, just imagine we're sitting at the pub, we're having a having a beer or two, and we're having a chat, and that's literally what the show comes off as. I feel like I'm a member of a, I'm privy to a conversation that I'm listening in on, right? But what I want to ask here is that, look, your style can be, it's not for everybody, right? I'm, I'm sure some people love it, some people don't necessarily like it, but I, I've discovered that when we're on this journey of entrepreneurship, or even when we're navigating our own careers, that we have to have a certain level of confidence in our abilities. So for you to take the route that you've taken with your style to be a little bit more free-flowing, uh, you don't really prepare questions for your guests, I mean, that takes a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of confidence, right? So, talk to me about that. Was that like, were you ready to do that right out of the gate, or was that something you had to work on and build over the first uh, beginnings of the show until you got to the point where, yeah, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Some people might not like it, but it's going to, you know, connect with the people that do. 
It took me five episodes to find my style, I think. And um, the very first episode I recorded, which went out as episode two, I never really listened back to it because it was... It was contrived. I can hear that any of the jokes that I came out with, I'd written about six months beforehand. It was a kind of fully realized show beforehand. And once I got to about five episodes in, I realized I had to throw caution to the wind. Now, of course, you've got to get better at it and you've got to learn vocal techniques because when you start in a podcast, you're very much like... Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. And it's very sort of like like you would talk in normal life because you would never go into the kitchen and say to your wife, good morning to you. I'd like a cup of tea, please. <laughs> you, you, she'd think you've gone mad. But on the microphone, you kind of have to talk a different way. And I think that comes with the confidence. But the free flowing style, I can trace it back to when I was a trainer. Because when you're a trainer and you're standing up in front of maybe 30 people or whatever in a room, Sometimes somebody will come out with a question that isn't right. It's a good question, but it's not right for where you are on that subject. And you don't just want to say, Joel, sorry, I'm not going to answer that. You always go, great point, Joel. Uh, It's not quite right at the moment. Can I come back to you within about five minutes? And I always had to sort of store it in my head so I could come back a little bit later, which would keep them engaged because nobody likes to chip in with something and then thinks it, it falls flat. And so I developed over 20 years a kind of mental filing cabinet it where somebody can say something in a conversation and I'd store it and then the next thing would come and I'd store it and then I'd got about three or four things ready to go if somebody you know falls flat in front of me I, I never there's never I never lose a pause in a conversation and it was it was 25 years really of training of doing it live in front of people but just mm. it became a natural fit once i turned the microphone on and now after 600 episodes i can hear the improvement it, it's just got better but i'll tell you where it's changed joel interestingly enough when the first guests came on they all thought they were going to get the question and answer sessions that they would get on other people's shows which is what i like about yours you don't you might have written the questions but it doesn't sound like it but there's some podcasts but literally you know the same questions every single time mm-hmm. now my show's got such an audience and they're being referred by other guests they've actually done their homework and they've actually listened to two or three episodes so when they come on they know i'm going to be a bit stupid or a bit <laughs> flip times and it's they they buy into that vibe so i don't have many guests that are real hard work now because they know what they're going to get when they come on it's like if you go on the tonight show or something you know what you're going to get you know jimmy fallon or whoever hosts that he's he's not going to be you know just straight down the line business he's going to be a bit jokey a bit stupid and so you buy into that vibe it has become easier yeah you know as as you're talking now i'm just thinking man god god help the individual that does come on the show and has no idea what they're getting into right (laughs) yeah yeah because you were brilliant you you came on and you bought the vibe straight away and it does give that kind of impression that we are friends and we've been together for a long time but literally we only connect two seconds beforehand don't we yeah you know you're so right i think it's uh look and i I do as you know many these as I can. I'm a big fan of podcasting, and I think it's a great way to kind of connect with more people. So, you know, I've kind of gotten it down, right? But I has, has there been a guest come on the show that was like offended, or maybe you pissed off a little bit? <laughs> I'm just curious. Surely, over 600 episodes, it has to have happened one time. 
No, I've never pissed off one person, funny enough. I've, I've had a couple, out of the 700 shows I've recorded, there's about three that I know I lost control, where the guest took control of the episode, and that's that's the killer, when they come on with their agenda, and basically you can't get a word in uh. edgeworth. Um, I would say there's three. There, there was one, the guy was so boring, that I actually went into a coma halfway through the show. <laughs> And I struggled to think of what to ask him next. And I almost did think, should I just cut this off halfway through and, and say Skype went down or something? You know, because he was just really, really boring. And the thing I've realized, Joel, is if somebody comes along to you and they say to you, yeah, I'd love to come on your show. I'm really amusing. No, they're not. <laughs> nobody, nobody ever says they're amusing if they are amusing. It's just a sort of given. But the ones that say they're going to be amusing run a mile. So, what makes a good guest? Like, how do you know? Because look, like you know, I know you, I know your process. I know your sourcing process a little bit. And for the benefit of the audience, you know, David doesn't really uh, speak with his guests until actually the day of the show. They probably trade some emails and get acquainted that way, but they're actually talking for the first time the day the show's recorded. So, you must know a couple minutes into the episode how it's going to go. So, what makes a good guest? What are the signals for you that say, okay, this is this is going to be a good episode. We're going to have fun with this one. No, I know before the episode how it's going to go. Because if, if the de guest is dif um, difficult, then it's up to me to create the vibe of the show. You know, I've had some guests that literally would come out with one word answers. So I will make fun of the fact that they're only coming out with one word answers. So they've got to change. You know, it all comes down to host control. Now, going back in time again, and this is where it all joins up. I used to be an induction trainer. So the new members of staff used to come into my company and I used to meet them like jellyfish quivering because it was their first day. And I used to have to take them into a room and spend three days with them before I converted them into a, a sort of ready-made member of staff to go out into the office. So I'd learn the nuances. I, I learned the beats of how to relax somebody and make them feel comfortable, which is one of the reasons why I give a, like, a little speech of how the show's going to be just before we press record. And, you know, just get them relaxed and it isn't that hard so i always know how a show is going to be i don't know the content we're going to get into you know that's a surprise to me sometimes i'm i get into conversations i thought well this was never in my head i don't remember even thinking about this subject but it, this is fascinating but i always know that if the guest is flat i've got to raise my game if the guest is too high i've got to bring them down and what what the listeners want and it just comes down to host control really if that makes sense it does make sense I, you know it's i never really thought about it that way because i think uh you know i i don't think listen i've i've li i listened to a lot of podcasts right i've heard a lot of bad ones right and i think the bad ones uh it, just the, the the host just isn't prepared to be conversational and look 90 yeah. percent of them out there are interviews and conversations right so if you're not prepared to be conversational maybe you ought not to do it right um, but let me ask you this question. I want to get into how you know what we could take away from some of the things you're saying. I think there's a lot of like lessons learned for leadership in here, and I want to get to that in a moment. But before I do that, David, you know, I might be putting on the spot here because I know you've had so many guests. But if I was look, I'm new to the show. I want to listen to the best example of Join Up Dots. What are the two or three episodes that you would tell my audience? Hey, go listen to these two. You'll love it. And if you don't love these, don't listen to it anymore because you just don't get it. But if you do listen to these two, I think you're going to be a lifelong listener. What, what are those episodes? 
I think one of the episodes was the one that you first picked up on, which was a guy called Matt Marr. And he is an actor in Los Angeles. And he was just naturally conversational. But we went off in different tangents. And that's what I like about my show is the ones where you stay within the subject of what the show is about because you can't go off too much. So, you know, I've listened to some podcasts. I'm sure you have, Joel. And at the end of it, you think, what was the point in that? It was just two guys having a random chat about stuff and laughing. Um, it was kind of too too insular somehow. Um, so Matt Maher was a good one because we ended up talking about Wonder Woman and the sort of the, the depths of that that kind of super how, uh, superhero persona. Um, but I, I find it hard to actually pick one that I really like. But um, I, I really like the ones when, quite honestly, I make fun of the guests and the <laughs> guests go with it. I do enjoy those. There's a guy actually um, on episode 488, Tyo um Roxon and he's been on my show a couple of times and I know that he hates Donald Trump absolutely know that he <laughs> detests Donald Trump and everything that Donald Trump says I know will be absolute in opposition to what he thinks and so I started the show saying you know here comes Ty Roxon he's Donald Trump's fanboy and you can hear him getting wound up even before he says the first word on my show and I just found that hugely amusing to keep on going all the way through the show but not getting him to the point that he was really pissed off you know it was like two close friends because when you've got really close friends you can say dreadful things to each other can't you but nobody else would bear and that's what I try to do. I try to get to the point where it's it's close enough to be banter, but it never goes too far over. Nah, that's good. I'll, I'll definitely hook those two up in the show notes. Um, you know, and I, I'm glad you brought Matt Moore up because I did. That is a great episode. I really, I don't, I can't even again put my my finger on exactly why, but it's just first of all, he's a great, he was a great guest, right? He's just incredibly forthcoming and transparent and honest. Uh, and you do a great job. Because it, it's funny, you know, you brought up, and again, this is maybe for the benefit of my audience, go listen to the episode. But when David talks about taking the conversations tangentially, Matt had mentioned his affinity for Wonder Woman when he was a child, just in passing. It wasn't even really much of what he said in the answer. But the next probably 15 minutes of the show were about Wonder Woman. It was fantastic. I enjoyed it. Uh, but let me use that to get to a question here, David, because that, that idea that we just used with Matt there about taking something that uh, you know covers his life a little bit, that makes him him, and diving into that, that's, it was engaging, right? And I don't know about the UK, but here in the States, there's so much written these days about the necessity of engaging our employees, right? And it could be, it could be passed off as like, a, hey, there's the next thing you need to do in HR, human resources to, you know, whatever. Or it could really be a cultural phenomenon within the company that says, hey, we are actually going to care about our employees, we're going to listen to them, and we're going to engage them, right? So two questions here. First, is that is that something that's being written about and talked about and, and desired to execute in the United Kingdom? But more importantly, the, the nature and the, the, the trajectory of your show and, and how you engage your guests, is there... Is there takeaways there for us to say, not that we're on stage or recording every conversation with our employees, obviously, but a way to just engage them above and beyond just what they're doing on the daily from a work perspective? Wow, that's the longest question. I, I've, I've got to focus to split that into two. <laughs> right. So the first one was about engaging employees. Now, I think that 
every employee wants that, but every company doesn't offer it. Even if they say they are, and they all want members of staff to be fully engaged and creative and developing work, but they also don't want their employees to make any risks at all and, um, and make any mistakes as well. So I think from the employee side of view, that's what people want. And I think people crave that. And I was actually having a conversation yesterday with a guy when I was saying to him, you know, people in companies want to have focused fun. They want to do a task that's enjoyable, not just a task that needs to be done. Um, so I think, yeah, it certainly needs to be engaging from the employee's point of view. Now, in a podcasting sense, I think the, the lesson that comes out of it is if you can get two people on fire, it purely comes down to the fact that the two people do not realize that they're creating a performance you know they they lose themselves they're in the flow um and you, you don't hear that a lot you know but when my style in podcasting is very up very up very positive because that's how i always used to do it in training land and what i am aware of is that i've got to carry that energy through which is the engaging side and then the other person will follow suit as well so i think it all comes down to flow, doesn't it? It comes down to flow in business and flow on podcasting. Whatever you want to do, you need to lose yourself in that task. Does that make sense? It was two very long questions. <laughs> it was a long question. I was just really kind of, really, it was kind of a test to see how, you know, how, if you, whether or not you're listening to this host, right? So <laughs> congratulations, David, on that. Uh, now, it does make sense, right? Because I think the, um, and I guess that's kind of what I'm, what I'm driving at here, right? Like, not everybody's going to go out on their own. Not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody's going to have a side hustle or whatever it might be. But there's surely there's ways. And again, I don't want to put you on the spot here, right? But what I why I'm even bringing it up is because the way that you kind of connect with people that's transferable, right? That's just you don't have to have a show to do that. You could do that in the everyday. But I think people don't prioritize that. So again, that's just my opinion. I'm just kind of curious because you talk to so many people over the course of a, of a week, even. Do you think that that is a transfer? kind of skill and the way that and the method that we could you know treat people a little bit more human i think it is i think it certainly is i've i'm not very good at it in the real world i hate going into parties i hate doing small talk i'm very good on deep talk if i went into a party and you were sitting in the corner looking sad and forlorn i'd be quite happy to come across and sit with you for 45 minutes having a very deep conversation but the sort of chit chat that you generally do i'm not very good at but i think it all comes down to caring caring about the other person and taking an interest you know you see it on tv now and everything is like a big red buzzer that somebody comes in front of you ah, i've had enough and off they go and i think that people generally want to feel like they're important and whether it's for three minutes or 12 minutes or whatever it's that importance that makes the difference so from your point of view as the host or the person it's not that hard to translate those skills across as long as you make that person um feel important now i remember a manager years ago joe and it stuck with me you know this phrase where they say, you know, uh, treat the customer as you would want to be treated. You know, I don't know if you, you had that in America, but over in the United King, we, Kingdom, we always used to say that. Yeah, treat the customer like you would want to be treated. And this manager came up to me once. He said, no, that's wrong. I said, what do you mean that's wrong? And he said, no, what you should do is treat them how they would want to be treated. And I said to him, well, how the hell do I know how they want to be treated? He said, when you understand that, you'll get it. And I think that is the transferable skill. That is the 
key thing, knowing what that other person wants at that time to make them feel relaxed, make them feel center of your universe. And that's where the power comes from. Now, that's very good. I, I like that quite a bit, right? Because I think that uh, speaks to, look, I read a lot of, uh, you know, personal development stuff to keep myself kind of motivated and focused, kind of reinforcing things. And, and they all boil down to the really good classic, you know, uh, personal growth and development stuff is all about empathy and listening and things like that. So I think that's really reinforcing. Um, David, let me kind of take it in one quick direction here. And I'm, I'm curious about um, how you developed one of the things I love about your show, and it's called the Sermon on the Mic. And for the benefit of the audience, the Sermon on the Mic is at the end of David's show where he asks his guests to transport themselves back in time to talk to a younger version of themselves. So I love it. It's great. I love the little bumper leading into it. I love what comes out of your guests when you do the segment. How did you come up with that? comes back to training again, Joel. Now, in a training course, if you go into a classroom, whatever, you always want a, a good start. And you want a good end because in the middle, it kind of takes care of itself and people will start scratching themselves and look out the window. But it's always that last five minutes. And I used to listen to a lot of podcasts that were very good. And then they just kind of drifted away at the end. And I was very aware that you need bookends. And if you watch the news, the news does it brilliantly because at the beginning they tell you what they're going to tell you then they tell you and at the end they tell you what they've told you so they have like a sort of summary bit at the end and it's all nicely compact so with my um join up dots theme where you go back and you look over those um those dots i was very aware that i needed something as a hook at the end and so i came up with a sermon on the mic now i don't know where that came from but it kind of fitted and I'll be honest, when I first started doing it, I used to blush when I was playing it because I thought this is a bit stupid, this really, you know. Um, but now it's found its own theme and people actually say to me, you know, oh, you should release that as like a two minute episode, you know, 600 of those just to get that inspiration. But what I do for the listeners, I play this. Um, I'll give it a whole build up, Joe. We'll have a blend of your show. <laughs> I like so it. This is what I say. I was going, well, this is the part of the show when we take you back in time to have a one on one with your younger self. And if you could go back in time and speak to the young Joel, what age would you choose and what advice would you give? Well, we're going to find out because I'm going to play the theme. And when it fades, you're up. This is the Sermon on the Mic. I love it. That's great. And then the theme obviously does play. And, and then what I love about it, too, is that, um, again, I'm not really playing along, am I? But it's my show, so I'll take control, David. You do. You take control. <laughs> Don't let me run over you. Well, no, what I love about it is, uh, again, I knew it was coming, right, as a guest, right? You prepared me for it. But it's, I got to tell you, as a guest, and I do a lot of these, right? It's 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 um not unnerving isn't the right word but it's just very raw it's like wow this is like a, this is really happening and I'm about to open my mouth and kind of share with you know all these listeners of yours some intimate part of my life so that's what I love about it because it's such a uh, oh man I, I'm I'm kind of going on here about it but it's just a, a really transparent kind of you feel like you know this person right. Um, I used to have a lot of guests burst into tears, Joel, on there, and I realized that I was taking them to such a point that they were too raw. Now, I don't do that now. I kind of learned that people started saying to me, and I didn't know who this woman was, but they used to say, you're the Barbara Waters of podcasting. You make everyone cry. <laughs> and um, I used to just think it was amusing. Well, first of all, I used to think, oh, it's God, it's terrible. I've made this person cry. And then I used to get lots of feedback about it, and I thought, brilliant, make them cry. Let's get them on there and, and sort of like let them win through and then somebody i was on their show and they did a kind of hybrid like that and they said will you do it and they put me on the spot and i started talking and you, you kind of 
prepare, but you don't prepare. And I got really choked up. I got really choked up because I suddenly realized the effort on the journey to get me to that to where I was. And even now, as I'm talking about it now and I'm not getting into it, I can actually feel the sort of emotion behind my voice because entrepreneurial land is 95% of effort that doesn't give you anything. Just for that 5% that suddenly pushes you on. You're absolutely right. I, you know, look, I'm, this is, I'm so glad I had you on the show, David, too, because this is exactly the sort of thing. Look, with our media options today, never before in the history of the world, right, have we had an opportunity to do things like we're doing right now, like two guys across the you know, ocean from each other having this conversation about things that are valuable, that, things, that somebody out there is going to find interesting. Yet not – I feel as though there's a fraction, a small fraction of companies that get it. They, they kind of – exploit media options for their personal gain and not for these real kind of engaging pieces of value and wisdom that they could be sharing, right? I mean, do you see that? Do you see that, uh, especially in the, in the corporate world, right, that companies that go off and want to do a podcast are nine times out of ten horrible at it because they, they speak – it's like a commercial. It's like a 30-minute commercial, right? Like what would you say to an organization that wants to take advantage of the simplicity of media like this but – you know, flubs it because they just talk about themselves for 30 minutes. I would say that every um, company should do an internal podcast. I really do because I think it bridges the gap from the top to the bottom. You, you go through the middleman, the, the middle management, it gets diluted into a message that wasn't sort of important. So I think for a company to do that, it's brilliant. But I would say to every company, allow it to go both ways. Don't just do a podcast from the company down. Use it as a sort of conduit of information. Allow people, you know, how powerful would this be, Joel? This is my dream when i take over the world in podcasting land this is my dream that in every company they have a little room that you could go and you talk into a microphone and it kind of makes you um invisible it it masks your voice somehow so it doesn't sound like you and you could just give raw honest feedback about your company your manager whatever and people could listen from both ends i think that would be amazing but of course what people are doing is actually as you say they're making it like an advert of what's good about a company but what they should be doing is making it 10 minutes of what's real about a company Amen, brother. I love it. I love it. Preach it. <laughs> yeah. David Ralph for ruling the podcast world. I like that. I'll definitely vote for you. Uh, David, <laughs> one last question, then I'll wrap it up here. Um, and again, I don't want to put you on the spot, but actually I kind of do. I, I know you're busy recording multiple episodes during the week, but I got to believe you listen to a couple podcasts yourself and you probably have a favorite or two. Turn my audience on to another podcast besides yours that you think is worth uh, taking a listen to. This is going to be really terrible to admit, but I don't listen to podcasts anymore. <laughs> I I only listen to mine. I listen to mine all the time because I want to get better and I want to make the, the program more um, engaging. I find a lot of the podcasts dreadful. I, I was actually just listening to your one, actually, just beforehand because you had Michelle Rolls-Rice um, on there. Mm. And um, as I was flicking through, I thought, oh, she's been on my show, so I had a quick listen to that. But, but I don't, and i tell you the reason that I don't. I tell you what I do listen a lot to, Joel. I listen a lot to Howard Stern. Now, Howard Stern on YouTube, because I benchmark my show against old media, i.e. people that have Uh. been there years and have done it more than podcasters, because I find a lot of the shows unlistenable to, really do. You know, I I find it very difficult to listen to podcasts because people 
aren't putting the effort in. I think they're seduced by the the people that are making 500 grand a month and they think that they can literally do the same, but they can't. They've got to find their own thing. So I can't give you an answer on that. It's the first question you've asked me on the show and it was one of the shortest questions you asked me (laughs) and I I can't answer it. Uh, That's okay. Well, at least it was honest, right? At least it didn't lie. (laughs) Yeah, never lie. Uh, um, You know, as you're saying that, I I do have one more question because I'm just curious what you think because I I agree with you about podcasting and one of the frustrations I have because I do consume them. I, I like kind of listening to different styles and what's going on. But I find it so frustrating. And it's not like radio, you know, when we were younger men, right, where you had us channels and you could surf the channels. It's not like television today. It's not even really we're like the... Young, mate, Joe. We're still young. I just, just <laughs> want you to realize that. There you go. I, I agree with you. Very young. Young and hard, especially. Um, but, you know, what do you think the future holds for this particular medium as far as podcasting goes, right? It seems really kind of like Wild West, you know, open frontier type thing. It's not really consolidated. There's no way to... Dis- there's not much of a discovery mechanism. I mean, there's certain different... From discovery channels but i'm just curious about what you think the evolution of this particular medium podcasting holds for you and for anyone doing it well for me when you see the sort of facebook live and you see the periscope and the blab it's it's lacks quality it really does but with podcasting i think the good guys will really get up there and i think the podcast will become what we would have seen as you know, chat shows. It's going to be the online tonight show and the good guys are really going to sort of make something special. And I'm waiting for the person that comes along. Uh, that really blows us out of the water. There was a podcast, I haven't listened to it, but it was called Serial when it was like a story. That's sort Ah, of yes, yes. And it was totally different, apparently, from, I must go and listen to it, from everything else. And it got a huge audience because of that. And I'm looking for the person that comes along that does something new and vibrant, whether it's a hybrid between this and YouTube or whatever, because we have never got the opportunity or we never had the opportunity to basically create our own radio station or TV station like we have. But 95% of the people are following suit. And there's going to be that 5% that leads to that one person or the two people that change it for everyone. And we're going to go, wow, that is it. That's what we should have been doing. Now, you say it's Wild West. I think it still is. I think that the curve is being built. And funnily enough, the, the people that was ahead of the curve are going to kind of almost be at the back of the curve because things are moving on at such a pace. And some of the guys that have been on for 10, 20, 30 years almost sound jaded by it. It's the new vibrancy that's going to come along. So there's going to be something exciting, and I think it's the future. Forget Facebook Live. Forget about all these other things. I think podcasting is the way forward. I love it. I would tend to agree with you. So, David, help my audience uh, find you. Where would they uh, look up more about yourself, David Ralph, or Join Up Dots? Well, if you go onto Google Land, Google Land's a good place to go. You can find anything on there. Um, just type in joinupdots.com. Don't even need the .com, I should appear. Or you can go over to iTunes on any of the platforms. And, and literally, just go over to my site and you, you can find me and what we get up to. Very good. I'll certainly hook your show up to in the show notes. And again, for the benefit of those of you who have stuck with us to the end here, we've been talking with David Ralph. His show, Join Up Dots, is awesome. The devastatingly handsome podcast host, from the United Kingdom, it's David. That, you said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> well, you know, I want. I got to always hedge my bets. Maybe make sure you'll come back <laughs> again someday, right? Uh, so anyway, we've been listening to uh, talking to David Ralph. He, I, I'm so glad I had him on the show because uh, we were able to get into some of the curiosities I've had about him and, and what he's been developing. And go listen to it. You'll be glad you did. And David, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time today. 
absolutely a pleasure, sir.